Hey, legends, you know, none of our interviews or episodes ever date, ever. They are all timeless and ready for you for when you're ready to listen. Download the lot and rip in. Welcome back to Andy Raymond Unfiltered. Danny Green, Between the Ropes. This is part two. In part one, we spoke the early years, his world title controversy and the split with trainer Jeff Fennick. The story continues. After you split with Jeff, you chose to return and base yourself predominantly back home in WA. You were trained by Ismail Salas, but one man by your side for the entire journey has been Angelo Hyder, inside the ring and outside of the ring. Yeah, I met him when I first turned pro. Um, he was down the gym. He was Jeff's matchmaker and yep. was really the he was the brains of the outfit. He, he was the guy who was doing everything. Yeah, but he, he, he if, any, if, if people want to um, dispute that, then they're kidding themselves as far as putting those shot fight nights on and stuff and the Fennec fight nights. Angelo was pivotal in putting that and making that happen, matching the fights, a whole lot of things. And Jeff used his expertise and his experience and his contacts and his network to then make it. So it was a great partnership while yep. it worked, while it was together. But Angelo, um, Jeff, he said, give me an, he, he, I met him one day in the gym. He said, um, take a lift, give, give this guy a lift home. We uh, H to me because I was living in Asheville from Bankstown, the gym we were training. He gave me a lift and that was it, mate. I, we we kind of we clicked from the, from the, from the get-go. And on the way home, we went past an old panel beaters to pick up a new um, quarter panel, front, quarter, front left-hand quarter panel for his, um, for his old Falcon that he was driving. You know, it's just, you know what H is like, mate. Yeah. And then on the way home, I think we drove past, some, drove past a, 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 um, a a uh, business that had some old furniture at the front. He goes, oh, mate, I could use that. He pulled out. I think we threw a chair in the back of the fucking back of the car. <laughs> he's just the best up, like. And he's, I believe, um, and not because he was my matchmaker for so long and then was my um, the coach um, and an assistant coach and then my coach after 2009 and to my end of my career, he was the most pivotal guy in my boxing career. Pat, Pat De Valeris was the yep. guy who gave me the ability to come off. So I have so much love for Pat. And then Angelo, um, when I turned pro, Angelo was a guy that was the most pivotal guy in my career, without doubt. Um, from matching fights to introducing me to contacts and networks to, to to assisting me, but also the main thing is the boxing knowledge that he was able to bring to my to my um, my, my 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 fighting. Yeah. His knowledge of the game and his knowledge of individual fighters and what their strengths and weaknesses are, and what the strengths and weaknesses of opponents are. I don't believe there's a better guy that I've ever worked with. Um, he really, really does know boxing inside out. What people don't see of you is you have a fantastic and very warped sense of humour. And you and Angelo are an extremely naughty double act together. You're as bad and incorrigible as each other, but there is always a laugh. I'd love for you to tell the story. I think it was Las Vegas and the Tourette Syndrome routine that the pair of you came up with in the middle of a casino. <laughs> uh, so we were um and this I hope this isn't politically incorrect. Uh, we uh we, we were sitting there, yeah. H I I don't think I've had more fun with anyone than that bloke. He is fucking M A D capital yeah. He's so sharp, so quick. I just wish I was mates with the bloke when I was eighteen. Yeah. If I knew him yeah. when I was eighteen. But then saying that I, I would guarantee we'd still be serving a fucking very long stretch. <laughs> but we'd still be having a good time. <laughs> and we'd have the money hidden away somewhere and still yeah. be living large. Um, we were, uh, we were, I was in LA training for a fight and 
had to go to um, Vegas, quickly met Dad, um, Hobson, Hobson, Dennis Hobson, who was Clinton Woods, the IBF light heavyweight world champions, then manager. Yep. We thought we were trying to get a shot at that title and, you know, I was ranked in the top 10 and we we're trying to angle to get that fight going on. And then he was in, Ricky Hatton was with him in Vegas watching a fight. I can't remember the fight. Anyway, come to Vegas, boys, and this was Friday night and I'm sitting at the foyer at the height in, on Sunset. Come to Vegas and we'll um, we'll talk. Can you make it to Vegas tomorrow night? We're here for the fight. And we're like, fuck, let's go. Yeah. Okay, because I was over training for a fight. Let's go, let's go. And we were sitting and at the reception, there was a guy, a young guy, and he heard us talking. He goes, hey, guys, you're trying to get to Vegas, are you? Kind of a young a Yankee guy. And I said, yeah, man, we're trying to get to Vegas. We're trying to hire a car. We don't know how to do it. Trying to hire a car in America when you're an Australian is impossible. We've got to fill out everything known to man's like, oh, we can't do this. Both of us trying to work out that. We're like, fuck. And this guy, he goes, oh, man. I said, hey, you, you want to come to Vegas for this? You, you know, because he goes, ah, fuck, I got to. He said, he mentioned something about a car. I said, well, how about you drive us to Vegas? You come to Vegas. I'll put you up for the night. We'll pay for petrol and put you up at the hotel. And we'll go for Vegas for a couple of nights. Have a bit of fun. He goes, uh, I said, come on, mate. Do it. You only live once. He goes, okay, right on. He just met us. We didn't, we didn't wow. even know his fucking name. Right, yeah. So he, he agreed to meet us in the foyer at seven o'clock the next morning. Bang, we got in the car the next morning and got out of there. He was driving this little, I don't know what it was, it was a square. The car was like a like a rectangle, like a box. He went literally one block. I said, Kyle, his name's Kyle. I said, Kyle, man, I can't do this. You've got to get out. Let me drive. No, 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 no. I got you. Kyle, please, mate, just let me fucking drive. You can't drive this all the way to Vegas because he was like, you know, just terrible. So I jumped out and I and I floored that thing all the way to Vegas. We got there in record time. The, the bolts were, were starting to unscrew from the car. We were going that fast. <laughs> we got there. Anyway, saw Dennis Hobson, had a meeting with him and Ricky Hatton. He said, hey, Ricky Hatton, right, right, and off we went. And then we went out to where we were sitting in the bar that night. And I wasn't on the on the piss because I was training. And, um, and, and something come up. He was telling us about, this kid was telling us about something, a friend of his who has Tourette syndrome, and which is no laughing matter. But... When he, when any, 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 he kind of, um, you know, gives an example of what his friend does. Like, are you serious? And he goes, yeah, man, he's fucking, he, he, so he does. He's, he's a poor bloke. And then, and then a, a lady came over and he goes, I'll show you what he does when he comes to a lady. And the lady came over and, and, and went to, you know, just walked past and, and, he came, and Kyle said something to this lady. He goes, hey, hey, how you going? And then he looked over and, and he introduced us to this lady. And then next minute he goes, shit, poor. And just, and then the lady, and the lady's gone, oh, oh, oh. And then, and I, and I was just going, oh, sorry, my, my friend, um, you know, he's, 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 he's got Tourette syndrome. I was so embarrassed. It's like, oh, fucking hell, are you serious, mate? What are you doing? And he goes, fuck you, bitch, whore. And then, and then shook his head, like, and he goes, I'm so sorry, love. Oh, kind of, and she's, oh, that's okay. That's okay. Oh, it's okay, love, you know? I was like, oh, man, far out. You are fucking crazy. Oh, dear. That, that was, yeah, that was one of the things, but uh, we have, there's, uh, uh, we've got so many stories, mate. I'd love to – if I could write a book, if H and I could write a book, um, which we never could, um, but if I could write a book, uh, we always talk about writing a book about someone else. Yes. <laughs> write a book about someone else. Oh, wow. He is um, one very funny man. We got the um, – we're the MGM and got the at the buffet once. I think it was the MGM buffet and got – as I was going to check in to the buffet to have breakfast, it was three of us hating someone else. What I mean, Stevie Wills. It was Stevie Wills, a serial killer. Yeah. I called him the serial killer, and then you ran with it and said, Stevie, the serial killer, Wills. You gave him the name. I gave him the name, and you ran with it. Ran and with live it. on TV for about a year, he was the serial killer. Imagine if that happened now, oh, Andy. We'd all be in trouble, wouldn't we? <laughs> we'd all be in strife. 
fucking hell. So I got wow. there. We're, we're going to check in. And there was a, a, a two-way, a walkie-talkie on the desk as you go up to the reception and walk in. She turned her head to walk away to get someone. And I just quickly grabbed the walkie-talkie and walked in behind her and she didn't know. And this was the walkie-talkie because I all had headsets in and it's packed and there's staff everywhere. And so I realised this walkie-talkie is what they're talking. I saw her grab it and go, we've got three more coming table and she put it down the table. I grabbed it and walked in. We sat down at the booth and it's just packed and filled everywhere. So then I grabbed the walkie-talkie and I'm just going, and put it down. And you can see everyone going, all the workers going, what's going on? And we put it down. And then about three minutes later, I've grabbed the phone and gone, and put it down. And then you could see them all looking for it and going, what's going on? And looking around, and then I grabbed it and, you know, said, I said some silly things in, into the talk, walkie-talkie, and we were crying. We were laughing so loud and I had no idea. And they, the whole breakfast, and then put it on the seat and just making it stupid and saying some silly shit. And then when we left, I put it back on the, on, on the, on the table and no one ever knew. But um, you yeah, got just, away with it. Uh, just so so many that like I'm um, just top of my head. Just so many funny things. He is, he literally is the funniest guy I know. Now, as much as probably both you and Anthony Mundine don't want it and are sick of it, your career is actually intertwined, and neither one's story is complete without talking about the other. The lead up to the first fight. How much more of a challenge was this because it had gone? from professional to personal, and the build-up had been so long and so significant? Yeah. Um, Chuck made it personal, and, you know, Chuck chose to, to include race and religion to make a buck, and I disagreed with that, and um, I took offence to it, and he called me the corporate white man's figure. I was a carpenter by trade, left school and did my apprenticeship as a carpenter. He walked straight out of school into a monster rugby league contract. So, um, you know, did, didn't, didn't know what a 9 to 5 was. So, um, you know, he was he was – he talked a lot of shit and um, said a lot of stupid things and, um, and and then attempted to make it personal. But for me, I was never really invested enough in Chop to get personal with it, yep. you know. It's like, mate, you don't really bother me that much. I don't know you. And I was, you know, I, was, I don't care what you are. And he was there. And the, the media really ran with it. And the media really were the – I think the media were responsible and they loved it. They couldn't get enough yeah. of it. I'm the fucking white guy. He's the Aboriginal Muslim. So you know there was that. It was it was a it was a, a match made in heaven for two fighters for the media to 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 wring it dry and get a lot out of it. And 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 the media helped make um, myself and Chuck um, uh, a lot of money um, by doing that. But Chuck was also very clever in the way he positioned himself in the media. He learned early on that being polarizing and controversial was going to pay the bills. I chose not to go down that path. I, you know, I had to look, you know, and, you know, Chuck's very close to his old man as well. You know, Mr. Anthony Mundine is an absolute gentleman. And so, um, you know, I, had to, I, I, I just, I didn't play the part. I just simply replied when I was asked questions yeah. and I'm not going to be a wood duck. So I didn't, a lot of times I wasn't really leading off and, and, and throwing the first punch. It was really just a reply and then we went back and forth, back and forth, and that's how it came about. The first time I ever saw him in the flesh was when we hopped in the ring. In Sydney that night, um, in two thousand, I never seen the guy in the flesh. So, but you know the things he was saying. You obviously you're a fighter. You get worked up, and you yep. get. But really, it just comes down to competitiveness. Yeah, I just wanted to beat the guy. I just know I'm a better fighter, and unfortunately, I didn't get to prove it. Um, you know, in the first fight, um, and then uh, the second fight, I, I won the fight, but I wasn't able to knock him out, which I know I should have done, and I know I would have done if I wasn't cowards punched in that first minute. 
Griffin Air Conditioning offers the highest quality of air conditioning sales and service across the Sydney metropolitan area, providing installation and maintenance to commercial, domestic and industrial customers. Working with this team, you'll be guaranteed the latest services, technology and developments in the industry. Visit griffinair.com.au and tell them we sent you for a cool deal. Looking back on the 2006 fight, with the benefit of hindsight as we sit here in 2020, do you have any regrets from that night? Uh, yes. Yeah, I should, have, I should have postponed the fight for six months. Yep. Yeah, I should have postponed the fight for six months. You know, had some, had, had a you know, very, 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 very tough um, personal uh, loss in our family. Yes. So that was very, very tough and, and, and a brutal loss. So, um, and I'm, you know, very close, uh, very close family. So that tore me apart, um, tore our whole family apart. And, um, you know, it was very, very tough to deal with. And so I thought that immersing myself in the gym and punishing myself physically um, somehow was going to make it better. You thought that was the answer? Because you don't know. Yeah, you don't really know what's going on. You don't know how to deal with it. And so I'd kind of lost focus and I was, um, yeah, it was. that would be a regret. Yeah, I wish I had my time back and I would have postponed the fight for at least six months, maybe a year even, you know, just, just, to, just, to, just to, you know, get around my family and, and be around that stuff more. Um, but it is what it is, mate. And the 10 kilograms, people go, are oh, you making excuses? No, I'm not. I'm not making excuses. There was a reason why my body was not able to perform how it should have because I was way, way malnourished. Less than 3% body fat. There's not many athletes who could walk around the block, let alone fight 12 hard rounds and push him, so, and, and dealing with what I was emotionally. So I look back and go, I, I really don't know how I actually got in the ring that yeah. night. It was almost like I was up on the stadium, up on the fucking lighting tower, watching what was going down below. And if Chuck was, any, if Chuck was the fighter that he says he was, he should have knocked me out in the first round. I was a shot fucking duck, mentally, emotionally, and physically. But he won the fight. Hats off to the bloke. But um, you know, I don't, I don't. It's if he, he's kind of that's that's a big a big victory for him and fantastic and good luck to him and, and and hats off to the guy who won the fight. Um, but yeah, I wish I'd had the fight a year later. After all these years, do you and Anthony know each other? Have you ever had the chance to sit down and chat away from the cameras without the bullshit? Never. I don't know who he is, mate. I don't. I don't know, I and mean, I'm sure one day we'll break bread. <clears throat> sure, one day we'll break bread as long as he drops the attitude. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> we did the jungle show together, and 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 you know, he he proclaims that I'm aloof and arrogant and all these kind of things, but he doesn't know me, and he doesn't know who I am. Um, he really doesn't know who I am, and I and I really don't know who he is. But I hear a lot of good things about him. I know people who know him and do. It says a lot of good things about him. I know for a fact that Chuck ain't a bad guy. Mm. Chuck ain't a horrible bloke at all. You know, he's not a bad human being. No, there's, you know, I don't think there's many bad, but I don't think there's many bad bones in his body. You know, I've got a lot of respect for the man. He's an immense, immense, incredible athlete, first grade premiership player in a very hard sport. And he starred in that sport and then crossed over to another very hard sport in boxing. And, and you know, he excelled and he was a world champion. And so, as an athlete, I have immense amount of respect for the guy. I actually like watching him fight. I really like his style. Okay. A different style to me. He's yeah, got a really very, nice style. He's very, very fluent. Yep. He's punching. He's, he's, he picks his shots well. He's, 
he's strong too. People don't people think he's you know because he's a lighter guy. People and he's not muscle bound. Yeah. He's you know he's wiry. He's a very strong guy. As soon as he, as soon as I got in the first clinch in 2006, I felt it. I went, yeah, this guy's strong. But you don't play first grade at his level, and you're not strong, mate. So I knew he was going to be strong, but I, I wasn't surprised by his strength. But I was like, yeah, cool. He's this fucking guy's strong. People don't really know that. Yeah. He's a strong man. He's physically a strong dude. You can't do what he did without having that immense strength. But personally, I really like watching. So style-wise, he's a good fighter, man. He's a world champion. Fucking good fighter. I really like watching his watching his style. And um, as a bloke, I don't really know him. In the in the jungle, we kind of, you know, we kind of had a few big, a few back and forth. And I, yeah. you know, I said, mate, let's go outside. Let's sort it out now. No problem. I'll I'll I'll, I'll get and in a room now. Have- I'll jump in a phone booth now and, and, and get on. Yeah. No problem. I'm sure he would too. He, he's not afraid. But um, then towards the end, you know, we didn't say a lot. We hardly get to speak to each other. And I, I know that if we spend time with each other, I know we'd, I know, I know that we'd get on. Because I know he's got a, you know, he's a pretty funny guy. A couple of times he was, he'd farted in there and around the girls. Like he dropped his guts. You know, which I found <laughs> fucking hilarious. Yeah. But everyone was like, oh, you can't do that. But I was like, what do you mean you can't do that? Yeah. You know, he's Everyone's saying equality and be natural and be yourself. Well, he dropped his guts and the girls hate it and it was hilarious. And he pissed himself laughing like a kid. I thought, oh, yeah, good. He's he's funny, that bloke. He's Not just because he's farted, but he's, you know, he's got a good sense of humour. Yeah. Mate, I'm sure he's a good guy. And I'm sure our careers, like you said, Andy, were intertwined and yep. were absolutely beneficial for each other. Not me for him, not him for me, for each other. And, you know, it was a massive deal. And I'm sure in the future we'll sit down and have a laugh about it all because I – uh, you know, but then I then I have this I get I have this endearment towards him, and then I, and then I'll hear hear him say something. He'll, he'll give me some shit in the media. He'll say whatever it is, and I'm like, fucking hell, mate. When do you learn? You know, I'm, you know, look, I'm a better fighter, not you. Get it through your fucking head. <laughs> and that's what it comes out, Andy. He yeah. thinks he's a better fighter than me. I think I don't think I'm, I know I'm a better fighter than him. And we'll go to our graves saying that shit. And that's that's what made our careers, mate. Our competitiveness. And, um, you know, I tip my hat to the bloke, mate. It was, it was a great ride. We could talk boxing and recount every fight and moment. It would be the longest podcast ever. So I took the liberty of choosing one moment in particular, a moment that we share. The years of dreaming, the months of sweating, the weeks of training, it is over. Both men inside the ring. One-on-one, the loneliest place on earth. Danny Green and Roy Jones Jr. in front of a near sellout crowd at Sydney's Acer Arena. The biggest fight in Australian boxing history has begun. The IBO Cruiserweight Championship of the World is the reward for the victor here. Roy Jones Jr., the challenger in the red trunks, in the predominantly black trunks, Danny Green. Green holding centre ring and pushing out with the left hand, keeping Jones on his heels. And look at that Cobra fast left hand. The eight-time four-division world champion. Stick jab to the body from Danny, looking for an opening. Danny's going to make his mark instantly. Yep, he needs to let something go there when he gets him in the next corner, I reckon. Scoring shots, not power shots for Danny Green, but that'll do at this stage. Just a minute into potentially what is a 36-minute night, 12 three-minute rounds.
He's gone. special moment pretty special night fuck man you nailed it <laughs> you said we shared we shared this moment we did man yeah i was in there and you're there so you you it shits me that you still don't commentate andy to be honest mate um yeah you know, it really does and it's i, I think it's a, a poor choice um by by taking you away from the sport of boxing because you are you, you you literally are like the Joe Rogan of boxing in this country. Thank you, you bring colour, you bring entertainment, you bring you bring precise calling too, mate. And you bring um you know uh, you bring intelligence to the calls. Um, it's it's a sad day that you are not commentating. So hopefully hopefully in the future you'll be back on there doing something once once Fox still you know come to their senses. Thank but that you, call there, um you, you you and all my, all the fights you just you know and not just mine all the fights you, you I like I really enjoyed there's some commentators you, I can't listen to you spoke about the fights you spoke about the fighters you but you you spoke about what was going on in the fight not what was fucking happening yesterday or happened tomorrow or the weather you spoke what was happening in the moment but yeah that call there fuck you nailed it mate and it's made you know it could have been different and it would have never ever ever had potentially had the same. Mm same impact and that same you know that same wow moment if someone else had called it and you yeah man you've you've um every time i listen to it i just think fuck how good's that call you just you 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 mate you you enhance it mate you really do enhance what i did you were the star that night you still are the star is that as good as it gets in the world of professional sport winning Winning in such style over a genuine legend of the sport. Uh, yeah, yeah. If yeah, uh, uh, I, it's to get Roy down there. I mean, what he did to Jeff Lacey, you know, fourteen weeks before that. Yep, um, was just everyone. No one gave me a single hope. No one, apart from the few people, my, Angelo, my team, my family. Is you know, a few people gave me hope. My sparring partners gave me hope. A week out, a week out from the fight, they're like, man. You really got to shake at this physically. My power is probably better than his, but he Roy gets his power from timing and and and, and yeah. placement. He's so so good that way. His eyes so good. But my 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 natural punching power, bang, is is probably superior to Roy's. But yeah. there's no point in having that power if I can't land it. So we identified that early. But it doesn't it doesn't get um and to 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 do it in such devastating fashion. But we knew I knew I had a chance to to, to take him out if I hit him. Um, and I and I landed clean, landed early, and I identified that punch. That I got him on the ropes with to drop him. If you replay it and you turn the noise over, it sounds like a whip cracking. Yes, you can actually hear it. And and identified early on that the side of his head, on his scalp, on his skull, he was very thin and veiny. Thin blue veins were down it when he had his head shaved. When I met him in Biloxi in press conference before we fought in the same show, and I like said, Angela said, man. I, if I hit that side, if I hit him, when I hit him there, it's yeah. going to hurt. Big mitts and big knuckles. I want to drive it and I want to bust his equilibrium up. I want to, I want to rattle him. It's yeah. going to rattle his cage. We worked on that and then worked on the fact that when he gets in the ropes, 
he puts his right hand forward and he pours with it. And no one no one tries to go the body, but no one works on this right hand. They always try and do a jab or a hook or a big overhand right. His eye's too quick and too good. But I wanted to distract him and jab the body. And then he almost always, when he got jabbed in the body on the ropes, he would pull off with a left hook. He'd go left hook and he'd then leave his hands down a little bit and then he'd pick his shoulder up okay. to cover. Yep. There was a bit of a, there was a bit of time there that was a pattern with Roy that there was a chance and I identified that early on, and then bang went the body through the jab. He left hook. I came over the top and hit him with the right hand, and it just worked. And it, yeah. we threw it a thousand times in sparring, and I just could not believe that it worked on that night in the first round against Roy Jones Jr. Is like it, everything come together, mate. It was a once in a lifetime. Would I have defeated Roy Jones if I hadn't landed that shot in the first round? Chances are very, very slim. Really? Man, don't forget what he did to Jeff Lacey three oh, months earlier. And then, and then who was who was who was known as the pound for pound best at that time? Bernard Hopkins was the pound for pound best at that time. And 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 held that title for two or three years around that time and after that. Yeah. The fight after Roy, he went twelve rounds with Roy Jones Jr. And didn't even look like we were hurting Roy. Because he was because Bernard was, you know, was a safe fighter. Yeah. I was able to put he was he destroyed Jeff Lacey. Then I fought him and put him away in the first round. But then he went 12 rounds against Bernard Hopkins, the pound for pound best at that time. Would I have beaten Roy if I hadn't landed that first shot? I don't know. Would I have landed could I have landed another shot that would have rattled his cage? Possibly. Yep. I don't know. So I've never ever said I'm a better fighter than Roy. Don't go near the bloke. But on my night, what we did, what Angela uh, Angela and I were able to achieve, that was what made it so great, was because we were such underdogs. Was that your best performance if you had to look back at your career and be the judge? Yeah. Yeah. Without doubt. Yeah, I had immense self-belief. I remember the, re- the referee, Howard Foster, coming to me. You see on the TV and he taps my, my groin garden and chips me. He goes, you good? You good? Yeah. And I just smiled. just ready to roll. I smiled. Yeah. I couldn't wait to fight because I had nothing to lose, Andy. I knew the, I knew the, the stadium was yeah. sold out. Don't forget, I put my house on the line to make that fight happen. Financially, my house was on the line. So I knew it was sold, I knew it sold very well before I got in the ring. So I knew as a fighter, as a as a professional fighter, we, we're, we're prize fighters. We fight for prize. Yes. For a prize. I knew that I was going to get paid. I knew that my house was safe. I knew I was going to get paid well. And I was in there in a packed stadium and the whole country was watching. It was front page of the newspaper the day of the fight. And I knew that, Roy, if I get knocked out against Roy, what have I got to lose? I'm in there with a legend. That's the game I'm in. So I was just, I had a very, very a huge amount of confidence because I had nothing to lose as far as I'm concerned, apart from getting knocked the fuck out, which is a fighter you don't really care. It's no big deal. We hope you're enjoying Andy Raymond Unfiltered. It's prize week. We've got 10 unfiltered truckers hats to give away. All you need to do on Apple Podcasts is leave a five-star rating and review, screenshot it, and then email it to mailbox at andyraymondunfiltered.com.au. First 10 emails win a hat. In the third and final episode, the Paul Briggs debacle, the loss to Antonio Tava, and an emotional realisation. It's Danny Green like you've never heard before. It's unfiltered. Come back soon. Legends, legends.